This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Good morning, golf fans. Happy Labor Day. Welcome inside GTC. Adam Scully here in studio. Since it is Labor Day, today is a special best of edition of the show where we're going to take a look back at some of our favorite interviews from the past month, six weeks or so. On today's show, we're going to hear from all five Canadians who made the FedEx Cup playoffs. We're also going to go one-on-one with Stephen Ames after he won for the fourth time on PGA Tour Champions this year. We'll learn all about the TaylorMade MG4 Wedge, Cobble Beach, what a great destination that is. And of course, as we always do, we'll play one of our recent winners, Weird and What. But first, we're going to start with the Ryder Cup. It is a couple of weeks away at Marco Simone. And just last week, the U.S. made their full 12 officials. Zach Johnson made his six captain selections. Here's Mark, Bob, and myself talking about the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Bob, let's go to you. When you saw these six picks, we, we had discussed the captain selections the options, because there were obviously many options for, for Zach Johnson. But just overall, when you saw these six names come in, what was your biggest surprise? Um, I think the last two names that you mentioned there were surprising, maybe not shocking, Justin Thomas and Sam Burns. And, um, you know, you can if you look a little deeper, you can see why. It's Listen, the captain's job is... You're never going to be perfect. Everyone's going to be questioning you to a certain extent. Even if you took, you know, 7 through 12, I think that the people will always say, well, this guy's better, that guy's better. And, and if they turn out, you're, you're a genius. And if they don't turn out, you're an idiot. And I think, you know, I think you can look at Sam Burns and say, okay, not bad. Um, and, you know, hits the ball. He won tournament this year, the match play. He's he's. He's a long ball hitter, and he pairs well with Scotty Scheffler. And you got to think that probably Scotty Scheffler was in uh, Zach Johnson's ear, saying, "Look, this is the guy I want playing with me. I want my partner because they're pretty good pals." So that's I would think that that might be a couple of reasons why Justin Thomas to me is a little bit of a bigger surprise, um, not a shock. Like I think, okay, yeah, once you see it, oh yeah, okay, well he did it. You know, he went there, but I think I think there's a bigger risk at it. Let's just put it that way. And Justin, it kind of goes, I don't want to say reeks, but it does sort of show you that there is this kind of boys club network of these guys who are all connected. You know, all this gang and and an outsider like a Keegan Bradley, who to me was the biggest oversight, uh, maybe along with Cam Young. I think that that's that's why, you know, in, in a lot of ways, he may have got the final say. Look, he's a proven commodity in match play. He's a proven commodity in those in, in there. He's a proven commodity in the in the team room. And. Keegan Bradley is not those things, even though Keegan Bradley is probably playing better right now than Justin Thomas. So that was kind of my reaction to it. We have Mark back uh, on the line here. Mark, when you saw all six of the U.S. Ryder Cup captain selections, what was your biggest surprise? 
Yeah, I, I, you know what? I kind of echo the same statements as Bob. Uh, I mean, I think Bob and I are seeing this exactly the same way. Um, it does feel like a bit of a closed-door society, an old boys club. Um, I don't think these are bad picks, to Bob's point. Sam Burns did win the match play, so if you're going to win one tournament this year and you're trying to justify being on a, on a team event in, in a match play scenario, you got to think it would be the match play. But in the same breath, this reeks of Scotty Scheffler wants his buddy on the team. This reeks of Jordan Spieth wants his buddy on the team. And although I don't think any of these picks are bad picks, it it starts to really feel like you're, unless a Keegan Bradley was going to qualify, unless a Lucas Glover was going to qualify, unless a Cameron Young was going to qualify, that they really had no chance of making it on this team because – um, it, it sounded, I don't know if you listened to the press conference uh, of Zach Johnson, and I'm a big Zach Johnson fan, but he alluded to player input uh, often throughout the, the, the news conference. And it was, it, it kind of got me thinking more along the li lines of, I, I really think the top six that, that made it on this team really pulled a few more strings and had a little bit more I influence on who the captains were going to select than previous teams. I don't know if you guys got that same feeling, but I certainly got that feeling, and, and I believe it was kind of alluded to uh, uh, on a few occasions. Um, I'm with Bob, too. The, the one who's got a lot of pressure here, the one who's got the bullseye on his chest in the spotlight, with the exception of Zach Johnson, who's going to have it, obviously, is Justin Thomas. You know, Justin Thomas is the guy here that is here on past record. He is here on past performance, he is here for everything he has done prior to 2023. Based on 2023 alone, Zach, jo excuse me, Justin Thomas has no right being on this team at all. So that's a lot of pressure. Certainly a lot of pressure. And for Sam Burns, 14 starts since winning the WGC match play. He has one technically top 10 he did finish t4 last week at the tour championship in terms of 72 hole scores so he finished t4 in the net last week not in the gross anyway that's a little complicated that discussion is for a different day we've got lots of audio mark you mentioned zach johnson's press conference let's hear zach johnson overall on his six captains selections they check all the boxes fierce competitors Great versatility, great flexibility when it comes to pairings, when it comes to uh, the fit for Marco Simone. Um, a great fit for each other, uh, which is massive. And um, with that, I think, comes a lot of just awesome options, successful pairings, and opportunity to uh, do what we want to do, and that's to win. So um, got some great experience in there, too, uh, considering – we are going across the pond, no easy feat. Uh, but I'm confident that these guys, along with the other six, now we're one, now we're 12, um, 12 strong, if you will. Um, we'll be ready to go. And one of those players who obviously is looking to be ready to go is Justin Thomas. Now, JT did not make the FedEx Cup playoffs. He had more rounds in the 80s than rounds under par in major championships this season. Let's hear now from Justin Thomas during the U.S. Captain's Picks press conference. Very, very happy to be here. But uh, it's 
I mean, it's it's exciting. It's it's a it's a type of nerves that I don't think you can really put into words, and and us that have experienced it, especially over there, can can understand. It's it's a it's a it's butterflies, but it's good butterflies. You know, it's the it's all the nerves that we are playing for. It's it's why we play professional golf is to be in these kind of atmospheres. And um, you know, I mean, it's it, it doesn't matter how many cups we played in, whether it's our first one or our fifth one or our third one, and we're all going to be nervous, but it, this is, it's, it's a great opportunity. And uh, I think all of us are very excited. And I know the rookies are as well. So in my perspective, this Justin Thomas pick is similar to for a number of Ryder cups on the European side, when players like Ian Poulter had absolutely zero form, when guys like Lee Westwood later on in his career had zero form, but all, and Sergio Garcia, same thing, past performance and just bring him in as sort of a veteran leader who's done well on America on uh, away soil. Bob, do you think something similar here, or is this back to that uh, old boys club, uh, quote unquote, if you will? I mean, I think what Zach Johnson is hoping is that Justin Thomas will be sort of similar to Ian Poulter. You know, Ian Poulter could play, have a terrible season, come out and somehow find some magic in match play and in, you know, in taking down the U.S. teams single-handedly. It seemed like at times, obviously it wasn't, but it seemed like it. And I think that's what he's hoping he's going to find. He's going to hope that he's going to find a little bit of magic. There is something to be said for the fact that, you know, in in stroke play, you ha- every shot you hit counts, whereas in this competition... You can get away with not being perfect a little bit more than you can on a week-in, week-out on the PGA Tour. So, you know, if, if, if Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are paired together, they may produce a few points um, together. So that's, that's what I think Zach Johnson is hoping on. Um, I think, you know, Jordan Spieth has played more Ryder Cups than anybody else on that team right now. So it's hard to think of these guys. But, you know, these guys are two veterans, so they may even be able to supercharge some of the younger guys who've either making their first appearance or making their second appearance in the Ryder Cup. And that's probably a lot of, a lot of things that go wrapped up into making the pick for, for uh, Justin Thomas. And JT obviously has played with Jordan Spieth a lot, uh, both in the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. JT also partnered with Patrick Cantlay back at Whistling Straits too. So they've had a lot of success. Mark, before I get your perspective here on JT again, let's hear from Zach Johnson on why Justin Thomas made this team. Yes, um, Justin Thomas, one of the most talented players on the PGA Tour, in my opinion. Uh, He has, without question, been the heart and soul of Team USA, Ryder Cups, um, our emotional leader, I would say. And I don't don't think he uh, would argue with that. He just leads by example. Um, Overall, a fantastic Ryder Cup record. Um, His passion for the Ryder Cup is very evident um it's he would say it himself he has said it himself um in my mind he was born for this and um there is um you just don't leave jt at home you just don't leave jt at home mark for you obviously zach johnson and justin thomas are, are buddies like that's that's a clear statement here do you think that there's any, not issue with that, but anything that's a little maybe strange about that? How, you know, Zach Johnson obviously still plays on the PGA Tour. Actually had a pretty decent year Zach Johnson did playing uh, for his own right. But 
Do you think there's something weird about that, Mark? Zach Johnson yeah. and Justin Thomas still buddies? No, no, not really. I mean, no. Zach Johnson is as close to Lucas Glover as anybody. Uh, so it's not like he just put his buddies on his team. I'm sure that was probably the hardest phone call that Zach Johnson had to make was probably to Lucas Glover. Um, I don't think this is Zach Johnson picking his buddies. I think this is Zach Johnson letting his players pick their buddies. Uh, to your point, though, guys, to both of your points, I do think this is an Ian Poulter type of scenario uh, in, the, in a sense. And that's why I said, you know, Zach Johnson's here for everything he's done prior to 2023, nothing he's done this year. Uh, the one thing I'm going to call complete BS on, though, gents, is Zach Johnson's uh, constant suggestions that they have an analytics team and they're breaking down analytics and they're breaking down how the analytics will fit a setup of Marco Simone uh, golf club. As you guys know, when the European side sets up the golf course, that they they make uh, uh, putting the golf ball in the fairway uh, an important part of the puzzle in a typical European Ryder Cup setup. Unlike when we come to this side of the pond and the American captain basically takes all the rough out of the golf course so his team can hit it all over the map. Uh, the ball striking of Justin Thomas, uh, one of the best iron players in the world, prior to 2023 has been horrific this year and partly because he's been playing from the rough all year so he's not he hasn't driven it well and his irons are horrible so don't give me the analytics conversation that that's bs uh, and that's fine no one's saying you got to use the analytics but the analytics did not pick this team because there's not an analytic number uh, that you can show me any data from the year of 2023 that puts justin thomas as a pick at Marco Simone, where we're going to have rough and we're going to have a, a, a tournament that, that you're going to have to hit, be ball striking. I don't mean, guys, right now, do you want to be playing alternate shot with the Justin Thomas you've seen over the, over the summer? I mean, you better like to hit it through small windows and, and in and out of trees. Well, why are the captain's picks so important for the U.S. in the last two Ryder Cups on European soil? U.S. captain's picks are combined four wins, 15 losses, and two ties. So these captain's picks are absolutely critical for Team USA. I want to hear from the other five captain's selections who were announced on Tuesday. First, Brooks Kepka, PGA champion. He's back for another Ryder Cup. Let's hear from Brooks Kepka. last few years have been, been a lot, but uh, at the same time, that's that's what I've been grinding for. That's what I've been um, trying to get back into in shape and 100% feel good um, just for this moment and get out and go play with the team. So super excited, looking forward to it. And we got a, we got a great, great group of guys, um, great captain, great assistants. It's, it's going to be a fun week. Brooks Kepka, 6-5-1, all-time in the Ryder Cup, the only live player on Team USA. Next up, Ricky Fowler, the Renaissance comeback season himself. He is back 3-7-5, all-time in the Ryder Cup. Let's hear from Ricky Fowler. It's already coming together. Um, a lot of us are, are really close. Um, a few of us live close to each other in South Florida. And excited that I've played well enough to give myself this opportunity. Um, I was thinking about it a little bit. And it, in a way, reminded me a little bit of my second Walker Cup. I went from being a rookie at my first and then my second in 09. Um, myself and Brian Harmon were kind of the the guys that had played and the older guys on the team. So a little different and um, odd situation being to be one of the older guys, but hey, we'll take it any way we can get it.
to believe Ricky Fowler's first Ryder Cup was back in 2010. Next up, Jordan Spieth spoke about the success he's had in his Ryder Cup career in four ball. My great teammates in four ball, um, you know, I've, I've had to lean on them a few times over the years, but just some freedom, you know, uh, I like to play aggressively. And typically when you have, you know, a partner beside you, and you get that opportunity more often, you can not only just hit shots more aggressively, hit putts more aggressively. You always know someone's going to get it in the hole. And, um, you know, when it's going out there trying to make as many birdies as possible, it, it's just more fun. Um, just to have more fun playing that format. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, why uh, win percentage is that high necessarily, but uh, I love more opportunities. It's, it's my favorite format for sure. Colin Morikawa, another captain's pick, 3-0-1 in his first Ryder Cup back at Whistling Straits. Let's hear from Colin Morikawa. No, you know what? I, I think we're all excited. Um, knowing the history, knowing the past, um, these are obviously 12 guys. We've got our captains, our vice captains, uh, and we all want to win. You know, we, we know the history. That's all the past. We want to create uh, new memories. We want to create new uh, history for us and the U.S. side, and I think we've got the do that. I'm excited. Everyone else is. And to be honest, like it's, uh, it's really, it's another match out there. It's another golf tournament and uh, we're going to do our best. And finally, Sam Burns, who played in the President's Cup back last year. Uh, he's a rookie on the U.S. Ryder Cup side. Let's hear from Sam Burns. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say it was my number one goal. Uh, that it was something I, I wanted to be a part of and I didn't want to miss out on. So uh, when Zach, you know, gave me the call, um, just incredibly honored. Um, you know, I think for me personally, there's no higher honor than to represent your country, uh, to be a part of this Ryder Cup, to tee it up alongside these world-class players and guys. I'm extremely, extremely excited. Okay, so those are the six captain's picks for the United States of America. Mark, let's start with you. Of the six captains picks, who has to be the X factor for the U.S. to win for the first time on European soil since 1993? I think it needs to be Sam Burns, guys. And I think it needs to be Sam Burns mainly because who he is likely to be paired with. He is likely to partner with the number one golfer in the world, Scotty Scheffler. And Scotty Scheffler is certainly trending in the wrong direction at the moment. Uh, the putter, as you guys are well aware, we've talked it to death throughout the summer, has not gotten better. If anything, it might be getting worse. So someone is going to have to pick up Scotty Scheffler. Somebody is going to have to make putts in that twosome. Regardless of format, someone needs to make putts. And someone needs to inject some confidence back into Scotty Scheffler. Uh, going to be hard for Team USA to win if their best players aren't their best players. I think Sam Burns has got a lot on his shoulders. And now, I do think he's the right personality type to maybe light a fire under Scotty Scheffler and get him headed in the right direction. So I think the personality works. But for me, guys, it's Sam Burns because of likely who he'll play with. And Sam Burns, Scotty Scheffler, really good buddies. They travel a lot together. They eat a lot on the road together. Bob, for you, of the six captains' picks for the U.S. of A, who needs to be the X factor in your mind? I think it's got to be Brooks Kepka. I think I say that for a couple of reasons. One is he's the a little bit of the outsider coming from Liv. 
but I also think that he is, without a doubt, the cockiest, um, at least up front, cockiest and the, the guy who has the most bravado and who can really, I think, um, really kind of intimidate some of the European Tour players. And I think coming from Liv, he's got something to prove as well. Uh, he won't say that, but I think he does to a certain extent. He's had a great year, so we're not expecting anything but good things from him. But I really think that uh, if he performs well, if he kind of works as the leader of that group, it's going to be a huge advantage for the American side. Five-time major champ Brooks Kepka looking to build on that 6-5-1 all-time U.S. Ryder Cup record. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the TP5 and 5X. Try it. What's the best that can happen? This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside our Labor Day Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, 2023. It has been a remarkable year for golf in Canada and specifically, of course, at the professional level with victories on the PGA Tour, victories on the Corn Ferry Tour, Epson Tour, LPGA Tour, and PGA Tour champions. Stephen Ames, what a renaissance year it has been for the 59-year-old. Four wins for Stephen Ames and right after Stephen won for the fourth time this season on PGA Tour Champions I had a chance to speak with him now joining us after his fourth victory on PGA Tour Champions this season Stephen Ames first of all Stephen congratulations on the victory what went right this week in particular well thanks Adam thanks for having me um you know, to be honest, I'm not sure what, what went right. I think overall, the ball striking was extremely good. Um, and then, of course, not being a, a big fan of Koana Greens, I actually put it extremely well. So I think on the whole, it was an overall benefit of everything that actually worked well this week for me. I was talking to your swing coach, Shaheen Nakjavani, this morning, and he told me that you are a closer. You were six under in your final five holes. You won by seven. How would you characterize your closing stretch? Yeah, that was a bit of a closing stretch, yeah. <laughs> you know, the funny thing was that as the day was going on, and I had a number in my head, which was 15 under, and after birding 14, then 15, to get to 15, I was like, okay, what am I going to do for 16, 17, and 18? And I said, you know, okay, so I made a little goal with myself. And it was like, okay, let's see if I can birdie one of the three coming in. So I, I was always going to have the pedal on the fo my foot on the pedal. I kept going. And then I birdied 16. And then I said, okay, well, I've got two more holes to go. What am I going to do? I didn't realize I was going to finish birdie, birdie, eagle the way I did. So I, you know, it's something I'm actually going to think about for next week to see if I can do the same kind of mental thinking there now of course this is your fourth victory of the season did you see this kind of year coming uh no, no nobody foresees this kind of years coming um you know when i 
after 2020, when I'd injured my right shoulder through the COVID season, coming back into 2021, it was like, you know what? I hope I can win another event. I ended up winning a principal charity. And funny enough, that's my second one there. And then uh, as the year went on, I started working with Harry C, and uh, which is Jerry Kelly's trainer and John Rahm's trainer, Adam Hadwin's trainer, actually, too. And he got me into better, a lot of better, a lot better shape. And I started hitting the ball really well and a lot further. And then on top of that, working with Shaheen also made a big difference. And then going back to my my old psychologist I'd worked with since 04 on PGA Turf, I worked all those three accumulations, putting all those assets back together again, has made me the player again that I am today. So I mean, it's an accumulation of a lot of things that have worked out right now for me. You mentioned it right there, your swing coach, Shaheen Nakjavani. How much has he helped your game? Because he does a lot of his work online, too. He does. It's, you know, it's, it's difficult to travel, expensive to travel, bringing him out. And if I think you have to be the type of player that understands your swing, but understands also understands the mechanics of how you go about doing it. And uh, I'm pretty good in that respect. And when Shaheen tells me something, I completely understand what he's talking about. There are a lot of players that probably don't. But when he started working with me, I completely understood where I needed to go to. And uh, obviously, the drilling, the drill, the, doing the drills and doing everything else also is all part of it. And we actually, funny enough, I had a quick session with him on Monday prior to coming to here. And like taking three weeks off and coming out here, realizing, oh, yeah, I'm back to my old, old habits. And uh, we quickly got out of those old habits within probably half an hour of the of the video session so that worked out really well for me now of course you have your four victories this season four guys have won on the pga tour we have victories in the corn ferry tour brooke henderson doing her thing on the lpga tour how does it feel for you to be a part of one of the greatest seasons in canadian <laughs> golf history yeah yeah obviously elated about the whole thing yeah i mean like you said who could foresight the fact of winning four times in one year? Not me. I couldn't predict that. If I would, if I could, I'd be buying a lottery ticket every night. But that wouldn't happen. Um, you know what? It's awesome. It's nice to be in that uh, category of uh, Canadian winners. So, yeah, I'm elated about that fact. So you have those four victories. But next week is a big one. You're playing yep. on home soil. How special would it be to get win number five at home? Uh, it would be extremely exciting, especially with my number two caddy on the bag, my son, Ryan. So who actually I won with in Atlanta this year with. So, yeah, we have a good, we actually, funny, he's done it every year. We have a lot of good memories there together. So, you know, it's golf. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't predict what's going to happen. We're just going to take it as it comes and see what happens. Well, it's been a great season for you. Four victories. Stephen Ames, congratulations and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Adam. Take care. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca.
Welcome back inside our Labor Day Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, of course, winners, weird, and what we always have a blast when we do these segments. And here's one of our more recent editions of Winners, Weird, and What with Mark and I. And on this particular week, I had the tea. 348. <laughs> oh, man, that is sweet. All right, thanks, Mark. My winner this week goes to Phil Mickelson. Mm. Yes, Phil Mickelson. So you know me. So before Live Golf was ever a thing, Phil Mickelson was a social media all-star. He would go and post these videos that, yes, were pretty cringy, and some would say hearty-har-har kind of funny, but really (laughs) not that funny. But anyway, so Phil obviously took a little social media break, but he was back this past week on social media telling a story about how he used to practice at Augusta National, where he would uh, go to, there originally were two ranges Mm -hmm. at the Masters, and he would have his towel drill, where he would lay towels out at certain yardages and try to land balls on those towels to try to dial in his yardages. And then he comes back uh, one year after winning the Masters at the Champions Dinner, uh, sees a sign where he says, not allowed to hit balls here, only short game work on this range. So he tells this story where after one of the champion's dinners, he crawls under the fence, takes the sign, and he's going like this. He's literally (laughs) holding the sign and wedging it out of the ground and takes it away. So he does this a couple years because the sign keeps coming back. The funny, the best thing about this video, it's on Twitter. I'd recommend go checking it out. The video, this is a two and a half minute video. He ends the video by like taking uh, from his right hand, he pulls one of the signs out. So he took one of the signs with him. Kept it with him. Kept it with him. There you go. So anyway, check out Phil Mickelson on uh, Twitter for that video. Uh, certainly a, a different uh, cat. We'll, we'll call him that. Uh, Phil. Hey, before we uh, move on yeah, from this, I'd love another that. guy I was thinking about this week. I was thinking about Matt Wolf there, right? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I don't know why I got into this conversation. Maybe because of Ryder Cup time. Phil Mickelson is likely now never going to be a Ryder Cup captain. Mm-hmm. Never going to be a President's Cup captain. No. Ever going to hit a ceremonial tee shot alongside Tiger Woods in their 60s and 70s at Augusta National? L- no, probably not. Was Would he have automatically have been all those three things? And the lead analyst on CBS. Right. Would he potentially have had a golf tournament on the PGA Tour a la Palmer Nicholas Woods? like Tiger has with Genesis, mm-hmm. like Arnold Palmer Invitational and Murfield mm-hmm. at the Memorial for Jack. Yeah. Think about what Phil Mickelson has lit on fire. When you think about that in line historically for those things that are only ever given to the, the, the greats of all time, mm-hmm. gone, <laughs> gone. Lit on fire. What could have been? Nuts. Sorry. Really? No, no, no. Sorry. No, no. That's okay. I, just, I thought about it this week. I was like, yeah. I, I think it was we were talking about Ryder Cup and they were talking about legacy of captain and tenure of who goes next, who goes next. And the whole command, the chain of command's been broken with uh with with Phil being sent to the island of misfit toys, right? Hundred percent I mean it's it's such a it's still crazy to think that he won that twenty twenty one PGA championship and where it has gone. From there, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But uh, anyway, Phil Mickelson uh, on social media when he's talking about golf in a lighter sense, I I still find him pretty funny. But anyways, 
Uh, my weird this week goes to a, a really weird moment happened during the third round at the Tour Championship. Scotty Scheffler hits a shot. He is probably five paces off the green, and there's a bit of a delay, and no one really knows what's going on. And it happened, it was about five minutes long. There was a bug on his ball, and he didn't want to hit the ball with the bug on his ball. So Ted Scott, his caddy, pulled out a protein bar and <laughs> laid it down beside his ball. Mark, you cover the game for a living. No, You're there. I've never seen you this. see a lot of weird things no. happen on the PGA Tour. Have you ever seen a caddy? Never. Do? So did the bug go for the the, the bait? Eventually, the bug left. But it was uh, it was. I was watching it. I'm like, why on <laughs> earth is he doing that? It was one of the. I love it. I have not seen, seen that. Yeah. No. I would go. I would check that out. It's uh. It's again. This is this is why we have this segment on mm. our show because a lot of weird things happen yes. in the world of golf. That is one of them. Okay, my my what this week? This could be that we could do an entire show on this. We okay. won't, but I could. Uh, former U.S. President Donald Trump. Oh yes, I saw this. Took this to Twitter earlier this week, and I'm going to read this out word for word. I am pleased to report for those that care that I just won the Senior Club Championship, must be over 50 years old, at Bedminster, Trump National Golf Club, shooting a round of 67. Now, some people will think that sounds low, but there is no hanky-lanky. Not sure what that means. Many people watch. Plus, I am surrounded by Secret Service agents. Not much you can do, even if you wanted to, and I don't. For some reason, (laughs) I am just a good golfer and athlete. I have won many club championships and is always a great honor. And then he tweeted out the head pro's phone number. His head pro's phone number is on Twitter. Call this guy. To verify. (laughs) Wow. If If you win a club championship and have to go to that length to say that's why you won Perhaps you don't have the best reputation. This is just not nothing political here. This is just on the golf course because there have been many stories of the Donald on the golf course doing some sketchy things. I, w- I wish we could break down the swing right now for Donald because there is, listen, There's- there is no chance. There is no prayer with that move. He shot 67. I'm sorry. On the front. Impossible. It, it like he pulls it inside. Yeah. Throws it over the top. Yeah. There's no listen. Whatever you know, and who's hanky lanky? I, 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 you know what? There's many things that I want to take away from that. But uh, I mean, the thing that he does have, I mean, he's not a young dude, and he's got speed. Like he, he, does yeah, he still fun. hits it okay. Like it's a like this big cut that, yeah. he, and he kind of knows where the cut's going. Yeah. But it ain't no sixties. No, I mean he ain't no plus two. No, here, not shooting Donald. six seven. Uh, you know, but maybe hanky lanky's part of his legal team. That, I don't know. Could be that. Maybe. Maybe. Know. Anyway, uh, that's my addition uh, of. Three dub mark the T is now yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, David Kocher is my winner. I'm going to go to the Corn Ferry Tour. And why is David my winner at the Albertson Boise Open? He actually didn't win the Albertson Boise Open. He finished two off the pace. But his season was a little stressful. We weren't too sure where we were going to play golf next year for David, but he shoots. 59 on the Corn Ferry Tour. So every anytime you have a sub-60 round anywhere in the world of golf, it's something that is so incredible. And to now do it to 
now likely guarantee your Corn Ferry Tour card for next year and possibly now an upgrade, uh, a bump to the PGA Tour. We'll have to see. They still have some Corn Ferry Tour golf to go. But uh, to do it in the time of year when your livelihood's on the line, that's a kind of special 59, right? It's like I'm not scoring the Matt Sundin hat trick here, okay? I'm not up 4-2 and then uh, give you a couple too late uh, period goals. This is – yeah, this is a this is a fifty nine with your back against the wall. That's a cool story. It's a remarkable story, uh, that's for sure. Now imagine in the Tour Championship if Xander Shoffley had shot fifty nine only to lose because he shot sixty two like that. He shot thirty on the front side. I that know, was a legitimate chance it was going to happen. Yeah, a pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, it really was. All right, my weird. <laughs> did you see Paul Goidos? I had nightmares about this last night. Actually. Paul Goidos has not won a, a, a tournament in six years. Mm-hmm. And Vijay Singh hasn't won a golf tournament, I believe it was four or five, since his last mm-hmm. Champions Tour victory. Well, Vijay actually gets it done at the Ally Challenge. But does he get it done? Uh, Paul Goidos had the lead with uh, two holes to go. And he had an 18-footer for birdie at 17. 18 feet for birdie to spread the lead. With one to go. And he five putts no. the seven. What is going through your mind? I mean, we've all been there. The mind starts the race. Everything starts to move quicker. You move quicker. I mean, it is a horrible feeling. And you eventually hole out for a triple bogey six. And, and you must, I mean, like... You must feel like you've been knocked out by Mike Tyson at that point. I'm like, five putts from 18 feet. He tumbles down the leaderboard, doesn't even come close to finishing anywhere near the lead. He ends up in a uh, a tie for third, well off the pace. Uh, I mean, wow. Wow is an understatement. It, it, watching this video back, it was, honestly, it was sad, really, to, to watch someone who has control of his game step on and, you know, he was, Perhaps a little aggressive on the first putt, and then the second putt, and then the third putt, and then the fourth putt. But it was that was uh, squeamish, is the way it, I was. It's squeamish, and it's oh, it's just tough to it's yeah. tough to watch. And this leads me to my uh, what this week. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it off the top. Scotty Scheffler looking visibly upset about his putting yeah. and frustrated. And Scheffler had a terrible week. Let's not forget, Scotty Scheffler started the Tour Championship at ten under par. He finished at eleven under. So, Scotty Scheffler, 71, 65, 73, 70, the, the one round of golf. Uh, but this week, he had the opportunity to play a little with Keegan Bradley. And Keegan Bradley has been through some dark moments with putting in his career as well. Remember, Keegan Bradley was a belly putter guy. What? And then the USGA and the RNA decided after 30 years that it wasn't allowed anymore. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> And he, you know, Keegan Bradley's made his way back through the woods into the winner's circle twice this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously really wants to be a part of this Ryder Cup team. Yeah. Kind of showed a little window into what kind of guy he is this week. Uh, Scotty Scheffler finally made, made a, like a five-and-a-half-foot putt playing alongside Keegan Bradley this week at the Tour Championship. And Keegan Bradley, a uh, guy he's competing against, you know, for huge money, went, like went out his way, went over, gave him the fist bump, gave him the knuckles, gave him the, hey, Good stroke, paid off, like the bit of encouragement. Yeah. You know, some guys are aware of what's going on around them out there. And some guys aren't. Keegan Bradley obviously is. What a class move to go over there and uh, say, hey, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Trust me, mm-hmm. I've been there. 
It is tough what Paul Goidos went through. It is tough what Lucas Glover went through and has come through the other side. It can be dark, dark days when the hole is shrinking on you. Trust me. Um, to hop, you know, what I found amazing, I was playing golf this week. And I was having a conversation on the golf course. And someone was saying to me, actually, we were just rolling some putts on the green at the Toronto Hunt. And uh, the gentleman was telling me that he's been fighting his putter and how hard it is. He hasn't putt well this year. He doesn't know what's going on. And you know what I thought to myself? I thought to myself, well, Scotty Scheffler is fighting his putter. Rory McIlroy is fighting his putter. And Justin Thomas has been fighting his putter. Lucas Glover did it for years. Keegan Bradley did it for years. I'm like, these are the best players in the world. What chance do we yeah. have? <laughs> We got nothing. That was the conclusion yeah. I came to, Scully. So, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, cool move. And maybe a little, was it a little Zach Johnson move there by Keegan Bradley? Like, look, look at the kind of teammate I can be. Do you think there was any yeah, of that going yeah, on? maybe. But, you know, it, there were some cool moments with Bradley, even throughout the summer. Of course, he wins earlier in the season. But even this past week, he had his family there with him. And a couple times, his family, you know, his, his two young boys and his wife, they were sort of just off the green. He went over, gave them all a hug, that sort of thing. He just seems like a pretty good guy. So, and, and Keegan as well, especially that third round, he was struggling off. Yeah, big he time. He was battling the, yeah. the hooks, really. So And still uh, aware of what's going on around him, like not yes. completely self-focused at that moment and, in time. And right? maybe Scotty Scheffler should give Keegan Bradley a call about that style of putter. Yeah, it might be worth trying something at this point, right? Well, I Keegan mean, Bradley, Wyndham Clark, yes. Fowler, all that counterbalance. Counterbalance kind of stuff, stuff right? We will see. Uh, we'll have all eyes on Scotty Scheffler when he needs a five-footer at the Ryder Cup. Uh, we're gonna see. Oh, yeah. We're gonna see where things at. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. Home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up hour one of our Labor Day Best of edition of Golf Talk Canada, I'm Adam Scully. Well, lots coming up for us here on GTC. Last Wednesday was our last Wednesday radio edition of GTC for 2023. It was fun to do those shows throughout the summer and totally different shows than we've done in the past as it was, it was all preview, all previewing what was to come that week PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, the world of golf. And a lot of the show of course was spent looking at the odds that week on FanDuel from a betting or fantasy perspective. Those shows will be back, of course, in 2024. And throughout the month of September, we're still going to be here on TSN 1050 every Monday from 10 a.m. to noon. And then once the Ryder Cup hits, after that, we're going to go into our winter schedule on radio will just be on for an hour every monday at 10 a.m and then once sort of late january hits that's where we come back for two hours uh every monday and then wednesday will follow uh early in 2024 as well but gtc we are not going away on radio and the same can be said on television because a little later this month we've got three shows still 
on television, including a travel special. We're also going to do a fun show where we look back at the year of Canada, how successful it has been. PGA Tour Canada. We'll hear from some of the winners on the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, LPGA Tour, PGA Tour Champions, the works. That's going to be a ton of fun. And then right before the Ryder Cup, of course, we are going to do a full television special previewing the Ryder Cup. All 12 are set for the U.S., and next week on the show, once we know the Europeans, uh, their full squad, we're going to break it all down. Mark, Bob, and I will be back, of course, next Monday to break that all down. Team Europe at the Ryder Cup. And then another show on television, too, that's coming up a little later in October. Stay tuned to our social media feeds for that. 20 Weeks of Taylor made our grand prize winner. We're going to announce that very soon on social media. Stay tuned to our channels to see who will take home the full set of tailor-made equipment and a trip for two to Casa de Campo worth over $10,000. That entire prize all together, 20 weeks of tailor-made. Another summer has come and gone right here on Golf Talk Canada. Well, that wraps up hour one of our Labor Day best of special. When we come back, hour two kicks off with world-renowned swing coach Shaheen Nakjavani. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Hour 2, the back nine here on our best of Labor Day special on Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Going to be a fun hour two here. We'll learn all about Cobble Beach. What a great resort that is. We'll hear from all five Canadians who made the FedEx Cup playoffs. And we are going to learn about the tailor-made MG4 wedge. But first, to kick things off here in Hour 2, I spoke with swing coach Shaheen Nakjivane, and this was the week before Stephen Ames won for the fourth time on PGA Tour Champion. So you'll hear a couple times in the interview, he's only won three times. Of course, he has won four times. This interview was taped before Ames won for the fourth time. Shaheen works a lot with Stephen Ames and a number of other professionals. Here's my interview with Shaheen. Now joining us, one of the most popular swing coaches in the world, Shaheen Nakjavani, over 110,000 followers across all social media platforms. He now joins us here on Golf Talk and the Shaheen, what's going on, man? 
Uh, not much. Trying to soak in whatever nice weather we have because it hasn't been great this summer, unfortunately. Yeah, man, it's been wild for sure. And we've had the chance uh, to work together. Uh, we'll get to that a little later in the interview here. But for you, how did this all get started for you? Yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting situation. You know, I started posting stuff on social media back before like algorithms and, you know, popularity really existed. I think I was one of the first coaches on Instagram back in the day with like George Gankis, to be honest. And um, I just would share my thoughts randomly here and there. I was kind of working, you know, like a pro shop job, like a lot of people like 10, 11 years ago. And then uh, I guess people really started to like the information I was sharing. Obviously, I have a very like mathematical approach to what I do. It's not really like very feel based or flimsy, the information. It's very, very specific. Um, and I uh, just started to gain a lot of following that way. And then tour players started to reach out and it kind of just like expanded from there. I've been very fortunate. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason and you're doing a lot of great work here uh, so far. So who are some guys or players on tour who are you currently working with? So on the PGA Tour, I'm just working with one, which is Kevin Chappell. Uh, mm -hmm. Kevin is coming back from um, some time off due to an injury. So um, he's just starting to play up a fuller schedule again. So I'm looking forward to getting him kind of back on track. Um, probably the most popular name in Canada that I work with would be Stephen Ames on the Champions Tour. Stephen and I have been working together for almost five years now. I want to say it's about four and a half years. So our relationship has been definitely growing over the past uh, couple of years. And he won three times this year on the Champions Tour. So obviously we're doing something right, which is really good. And then um, the highest ranked player I work with currently would be Yannick Paul, who's on the DP World Tour, top 15 player on that tour right now. Uh, World-class ball striker. We just came back from the Scottish and British Opens. So that was really fun. And uh, obviously a bunch of other guys on like the various mini tours and stuff. Well, you mentioned Stephen Ames there, and for you, when you see one of your students go out and have the success that he has had at the age he is at on PGA Tour Champions, how satisfying is that for you to see all this hard work that he's doing, that you're helping him do, is paying off? I mean, obviously very satisfying. I mean, it's always hard to talk about because it's one of those like old cliches, you know, when he does poorly, you get too much blame. When he does well, you get too much credit. So I'd like to think, obviously, I'm helping him out quite a bit. We have done a lot of work on his swing, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint. If anyone's been on my social media, I'm sure they've seen, you know, I'm pretty open when it comes to working with my tour players. I don't really like to hide stuff behind like a, a glass wall or something like that. You know, I like people to really be able to see what we're doing just so that other people can learn online too. Uh, but we've done a lot of work and obviously it's paid off this year, you know, for whatever reason, this is a year where everything's been clicking really nice. I do think he's had very successful seasons over the last couple, but I mean, you win three times in the first like 10, 12 events. Obviously, everyone's going to talk about it. Yeah, certainly. So what exactly are you working with with Stephen Ames? So Stephen and I, um, it, it always tends to be the same theme with him for the last, basically as long as I've known him. You know, when whenever he takes a lengthy period of time off, he tends to fall under the same a theme of swinging basically a little too far from the inside so what that essentially you know he likes to draw the ball with his irons he's always been a drawer of the ball if anybody knows him historically he tends to get too shallow that would be like the technical way to talk about it and you know when he swings too far from the inside he tends to draw the ball too much and he can miss it left under pressure no good right-handed golfer likes missing it left under pressure because it's just not a very controllable shot and so a lot of our work has basically been on making his body movements more efficient essentially I'm trying to simplify this a little bit, but making his body movements as efficient as possible so that he's not swinging so far from inside out. So we basically reduce the draw effect in his golf swing. 
Okay, that's uh, that's some awesome stuff there. And I, I love some of the videos you recently uh, posted with Steven because just recently you were on a FaceTime coaching him, correct? Yeah, so Steven and I started in person uh, in an ideal world. Obviously, we would always see each other in person. But as um, is the case nowadays with social media, you have the ability to teach people from very far away. Um, Steven and I obviously live in very, very different locations. Um, so I don't have the ability to meet up with them as often as I would like. Uh, so probably about once every three to four weeks, we do like a pretty lengthy check-in on FaceTime just to make sure everything's in order. And during tournament season, we'll talk a little bit more regularly via text and stuff. And then every once in a while, I'll see him uh, in person. But yeah, FaceTime sessions have been great. I mean, me and you have obviously done one, which we'll talk about. Um, but I do believe nowadays it's really easy to learn online from any coach anywhere because we have access to so many different amazing things like launch monitors and obviously the power of Zoom and FaceTime and stuff. It makes it really easy to do. Okay, so that's where I'll get to next. Did I read this correctly that you gave 5,000 lessons in one year? I have given 5,000 lessons in one year, and I'm up to almost 11,000 online since I started about five years ago, oh. just on just online. That doesn't include any sort of in-person teaching, and I still teach quite a bit in person. So I'm uh, I'm very gratefully busy, let's put it that way. But uh, yes, my busiest year online, I was probably close to 5,000 lessons for sure. That's That's wild. And you teach players of all skill levels, not just the people we see on television? Yes, that's correct. Especially in Montreal, obviously, you know, where I'm located, you know, it doesn't have the biggest golf audience, let's say. There's obviously historically not a lot of amazing players that have come out of the province of Quebec, which I would like to change that in the future, and I'm going to do my best to do so. Um, but yeah, basically, I teach players of all levels over here, ranging from your classic 20-30 handicap guys that are struggling to break 100, which they typically will deal with a lot of the same stuff that we'll see over and over. Uh, all the way up to the tour players, which I obviously travel to and I'm very lucky to work with. You mentioned things you see over and over and over again. So with all these lessons you're giving with amateurs, what's the most common error that you see amateurs make? I'm going to unfortunately group you into this category. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> because when we did our FaceTime session, I saw very much the same thing. I would say the most common uh, issue by far is just the wide open club face. You know, it's just... We always have this old school analogy in golf instruction, which is club face is king. It's very much true. You know, a lot of the things that we will do with our body, with the club, will be dependent on where the club face is at various points throughout the golf swing. And as was the case with you when we did our FaceTime session, more often than not, I'll see the club face be too open. And then the golfer develops just a whole bunch of bad habits around it, trying to find a way to get the ball going in the direction they want. Okay, so let's let's take a deep dive because we you reached out or we reached out to each other on social media. This would have been uh, late June, call it that. And I, I posted a swing video. I was pretty proud of it. And you said, uh, hey, man, if you want some more yardage, you just let me know. And I said, well, ding, 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 ding. I'm all in for all that. And it was as easy as we set up a FaceTime. You got me going. And you're the first instructor who has ever changed my grip. And I thought it would feel way more uncomfortable than it has. But basically what we've done is we've we've gripped the have the, the club more in my fingers now for more of a stronger grip. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. So unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play as much golf as I would like. But what I'm finding is, and and correct me if I'm wrong here. So I, I showed up with 
my club face like a pancake basically at at uh, at the top and going through impact and this would cause me to hit some pretty wild shots whether it was right whether it was left but this left hand uh certainly when i have played there have been many flashes of of brilliance and then there's still many flashes of not not so brilliant so for me where should i take this journey next so the typical chain reaction of events that we'll see i'll actually lay it out it's like a clear roadmap that we come across quite often which is it starts with the club face is too open in your case when we dove into the root cause of it it stemmed from the grip being too weak which basically means the club was resting too much in the palm of your hand and not a lot of stability there the rotational position of your hands was causing the club face to be too open. So then from there, obviously, it just becomes impossible to swing from the inside. If anybody's tried to do this with an open club face, it ain't going to go anywhere near where you're aiming. So obviously, it just doesn't happen very often. And so you were basically swinging over the top, which is a very common phrase that I'm sure a lot of people understand. And so in order for us to change that entire chain that was causing you to get over the top, we had to strengthen the grip. Strengthening the grip got the club face more close and allows you to be able to drop the club, let's call it in the slot, just for a simplified explanation, um, so that you can swing from the inside. And as we were seeing during the FaceTime session, the good shots were obviously drawing. They were really nice. They were compressed a lot more. You know, when you get the club face in a stronger position, it allows you to basically get a little more shaft lean, which allows the ball to travel a little bit farther. Um, the problem is you obviously have a lot of these compensations which we like to call in the golf industry meaning a lot of these subtle reactions your body and your hands and arms would do to try to square up the club face beforehand because it used to be wide open now unfortunately throughout this process and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who are going to be watching this can relate when you do get the club face in a in a better position it doesn't automatically mean that all of these negative things you used to do at impact just magically go away you know i wish it was as simple as like i wave a magic wand and it does but it just that's just not the reality and so in a case like yours you know you're finding that there's still a lot of like flippiness of the hands at the bottom and a lot of these reactions that are still causing the ball to travel offline when your timing isn't quite good mm -hmm. so the next phase of this would essentially be to allow your body to move better through the ball so that you don't have to rely on your hands so much and that's probably the more common thing that we'll see as like the roadmap. You know, first you start with getting the club face better. That allows the club to move better, which allows your body to eventually move better as well. And part of it too, I, and this might just be me selfishly saying this, but, you know, sitting or whether you're on a driving range or a simulator, you're not exactly thinking where the ball's going. You're not picking, picking a target. You're not playing with wind off your left. You've got not many thoughts. You're not playing with a lot of fear. So maybe this is, part mental and part physical and for me to take a, war, a phrase from tiger not to compare me and tiger at all but basically more competitive reps and that could help whether it's me or your other average five handicap player i think it's a combination of things to be honest you know for starters the driving range is obviously a wide open field so a ball that travels offline probably looks a lot better on the driving range Versus on the golf course where, you know, 30, 40 feet offline is quite significant, let's say with a short club in your hands, I say significant, you know, loosely, but totally. uh, versus on the driving range where it might look like an amazing shot, because obviously the field is so large that 30 feet offline doesn't look that bad. Uh, another part of this has to do with, I agree with you, first of all, with the competitive reps in the sense that when you go to the golf course, your alignment is off, the wind is off, the lie of the golf ball is off, like there are all of these external variables at play 
that are basically non-existent in the driving range. You know, obviously there might be a little bit of wind on the range, but you're hitting off a square mat oftentimes, which is pre-aiming you basically to a location. So your alignment never really becomes an issue, right? The ball is always resting on the ground the exact same way. The lie is very consistent. And so if you are hitting the ball good at the range, it's not always indicative of how well you're going to hit it on the golf course, simply because the golf course has all of, all of these added elements that make it more challenging. And that's where I believe those competitive reps become increasingly more important as you're getting more comfortable with any sort of swing change that someone's going to be doing. Well, it's it's been quite a journey so far, and uh, I'm hoping for more practice time, uh, some more face time, perhaps uh, with you as well as as we keep learning. Because, like I said, when I when I hit the shots the way I want to, the ball flight is totally different. It makes a different sound. And for those who have seen my my social media video, I posted one about a month ago or so, hitting a driver, and uh, it, it, it traveled pretty far. So let, let's put it that way. Uh, so far, so good. It's a work in progress. But for someone watching, for someone listening to this, who are absolutely loving what they're hearing from you, how do they get in touch with you? How do they start their journey and perhaps get a lesson? So me, along with a lot of other coaches online, we are on a platform called Skillist. It's the platform that I have been on for the last six years. Um, it's basically very easy to do. You go on the website, you'll see a lot of coaches there with their ratings and, you know, you can give reviews, which a lot of people have done. Uh, and you can basically see how people communicate. There are sample lessons on there. So if you like the way someone's speaking about someone else or just the type of information they're sharing, you can book a lesson with them there. That's the platform that I do my online coaching. And then I'm everywhere else, like most people, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, although not many people are using Facebook anymore these days. Um, and uh, it's pretty simple. My my username or my handle is the same everywhere. It's Schkeen Golf. Don't ask me where that's from. It's a long nickname that just has been carrying over for years. Uh, but basically, S-H-K-E-E-N Golf. There you go. Well, Sheen, uh, really appreciate your time today. Uh, congratulations on all your success so far and looking forward to seeing what's next for not only you, but next with our progression together to hopefully get a little better. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, guys. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Welcome back inside our Labor Day Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well... September is officially here. And as I've told the people many times, September is probably my favorite month of the year to golf in the GTA. The weather generally stays cooler. It's not as humid. You still get some temperatures where you're wearing shorts a lot. But sometimes, especially if you're teeing off in the morning, maybe it's a quarter zip when you start and then you're in shorts and a shirt. It's a great time of year. Courses are always in great condition too. One of those courses, of course, Cobble Beach and recently our own Mark Sakino spent some time at Cobble Beach staying the night playing the golf course here's Mark with golf director of Cobble Beach Warren Thomas 
All right, Warren, thanks so much. Uh, love being here. Been too long. Uh, been threatening coming up all year. I'm finally here. Before we get into what's happening on the property, because I noticed a ton of changes, because it has been five years or so, it's been a busy time for you. Junior Invitational, uh, you had your own uh, captain's event. It was a Ryder Cup event. Tell us a little bit about the action around the cl- club recently. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thanks for coming up, Mark. Um, looking forward to getting out there today. Uh, but we've got lots of members here now. And as you can see by the development, we've got lots going on. We had the Captain's Cup yesterday where the you know the, the 20 winners are eating steak and wine and having wine and then the loser eating the beans and stuff like that. So lots of fun stuff. We've got the Junior Invitational just finished up that was... Uh, uh, almost doubled the amount of uh, players from uh, last year. Uh, great sponsor, Grey Bruce uh, Junior Golf and, and uh, Dunn's Electric. So just just super having those juniors. Actually, in the junior event, we had a hole in one. One of the kids made it made a hole in one and made an ace, and and just so so great seeing the smiles on their face. Uh, the environment here has always been great. It's always been fun. The people are super laid back. It starts with you uh, and your staff and the staff throughout the club. Just a greeting I got this morning at the desk. Everybody's so nice and the environment's great. But the one thing I did notice when I was here five years ago, there was a charming little housing community. And now there is a charming large housing community and it's growing. How many houses do you think have been added since I was here five years ago? And what do you have coming? Yeah, five years ago there was probably thirty or forty on the property, and now we're we're well over two hundred. We have our third phase starting uh, this fall, and uh, it's just great uh, with all the new members uh, coming in uh, from Toronto and different areas. And and when they get here, like you said, Mark, they're just they love the area, uh, they love the outdoors, and uh, being able to walk and bike and, and just that all that outdoorsy stuff. Everyone just just loves waking up in the morning and, and seeing the bay right here. Okay, the kids are going back to school, all right, Uh, but September has slowly turned into one of the best golf months in Ontario. I remember, like, when you and I were kids, September was kind of almost the end of the golf season. You and I are around the same age. It seems like our season shifted. It's like it, it starts later, but it ends later, and September is absolutely one of the best months for golf in the province. you got a lot going on here. It's a perfect time to visit. Yeah, I agree, Mark. It seems like May is kind of the, the crummier month now, whereas uh, we're great uh, later in September, and especially October, just fantastic. But uh, lots going on. we got Stay and Play coming up that we'll talk about here. But uh, we have the Concorde d'Elegance uh, on the 17th of September. Uh, it's similar to the Pebble Beach hosted every year, uh, and we it, this is the Canadian version. So uh, if you're looking, uh, it's on the 17th, but lots going on the 16th. Get online at cobblebeach.com, check that out, and, and just so many people come up that day and, and we have all the it's not just any car show it's uh, it, it's quite something yeah so is it it's more a classic car type like what get, walk us through some of the activities and what the property might look like on a day like that well there's definitely no golf on the Saturday Sunday, <laughs> but uh, uh, we have absolutely we have all the Duesenbergs and all the, the 20 30 40 different cars back in, in that century kind of thing but we also have supercars which you, you know, I kind of like seeing the, the Lambos and, and different uh, different vehicles. So there's all kinds of different stuff going on. Uh, they have, uh, but just go to the website, check it out, and uh, lots of stuff going on that weekend. Yeah, that's the only way you and I move fast at this age. Just if it's in a Lambo or something like that, <laughs> we ain't doing it with the help without the help of an engine. Uh, before we get to stay and play, uh, you have a, a Twilight still going for the for the uh, fall season. Yeah, we've had that uh, going, but you know it's going right now. So the rest of the season, 
you know, after 2.30, cart range uh, and the 18 holes. It's 1.29, come on up. It's, it's uh, usually lots of availability and it's fantastic. You just want to come up and play nine holes at 79 after four with uh, 4.30 with the cart. So that's a good opportunity there too. Okay, stay and play. That's what I'm doing. I've come up for stay and play. I'm going to play 18 holes this afternoon. I'm going to have dinner. Uh, and then play again tomorrow uh, before we're going to run this show, uh, run this interview Wednesday morning for Golf Talk Canada Radio. I'll be on location for that and then going to try to play in the afternoon again. It's been a couple of years since I played the golf course. Always loved it. Miraculously always in good shape too. I don't know how you do it. I mean, the, uh, you know, the climate up here can get harsh in the spring and the fall, yet you open ready to go, it seems, every year. Um, before, actually, before stay and play. How do you do it with the with the the the, the climate? The greens are always perfect. Uh, that's a good question, Mark. Actually, Ben and his team out there do a great job. Uh, they work hard, uh, doing all kinds of different things. But the velvet bent that we have on our greens, uh, uh, they have a similar strain, I think, at Eagle's Nest and Paintbrush. But uh, it's a, it's a grass that uh, is made for this weather. So when we get the harsh weather up here, we open with great greens. And I've played in some events across Ontario the last few weeks, month or whatever. And I'll put us up to anybody. Uh, when they get up on men's night and they get up to 11, 11 and a half, it's just... Uh, they're just beautiful. So velvet bed, I always thought that it was fescue straight through. So is it fescue, tea to green through, and then and then uh, velvet bent when you get to the green, or was I, am I off base with the fescue? Yeah, there is a little bit of fescue out there and on the greens. It's a velvet bent with some fescue uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, throughout the fairways, I would bring in my superintendent to talk that. Okay, all right. That lingo. Maybe you'll see him out there and you can touch on that. All right, I, I'm just, it's miraculous to me that they roll perfect all year long. And uh, hey, technology, it's more than just uh, in golf clubs these days, right? It's in the seeds and it's how you take care of everything. Okay, uh, September's a great month. Uh, you, I, you, know, you and I are together on social media and I saw you post a little something. I went, hmm, I got to ask you about this. So uh, what's the big special? Uh, why September for Cobble Beach? Yeah, it's just great getting some people up here late in the year. And, and, and basically, we have a, a, a three-day unlimited golf where you can stay here two nights and have a couple of breakfasts uh, starting the end of September and October. It's $4.99 Sunday to Thursday. And Friday, Saturday, it's $5.99. But, you know, give us a ring in the golf shop. Ask for Warren or email me at warrenthomas at cobblebeach.com. Love to hook you up. And we'll even uh, continue this right up until May 30th next year. So if you can't get out, get on board this year, get your trip booked for next year. It's a great spot to come up with the guys and you don't have to drive anywhere like Mark likes to mm -hmm. eat a good <laughs> and, and have a have a glass of wine. And, and it's just a great property to overlook the bay. Every hole you can see Georgian Bay. And, and like Mark said, it's always in great shape uh, right up to the end. We're not doing any, any drilling of the air rating or any of that stuff. So uh, come on up and see us. And uh, September's been great. Thanks, Warren. I can't wait to get out there. Unlimited golf package uh, going right through the end of this uh, year and then into next spring. So uh, jump on it. Cobblebeach.com is the place to go. Call the pro shop. Ask for Warren. Take advantage of it. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mark. Have a great day. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, experience Cadillac, 
Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside our Labor Day Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, this season, that's come and gone on the PGA Tour, of course, four Canadians were victorious. Mackenzie Hughes, Adam Spenson during the fall portion of the schedule. And then Corey Connors took home the Valero Texas Open. And then, of course, Nick Taylor at the RBC Canadian Open. We are going to play that clip over and over and over and over again when he hooped that 72-foot, six-inch putt. And, of course, Mark's iconic call. Still get goosebumps when I think about that. The other Canadian who had a great season on PGA Tour was Adam Hadwin. Now, before the first FedEx Cup playoff event of the season, Bob had a chance to sit down with all five Canadians at the same time. Here's Bob with the five Canucks who made the playoffs. Congratulations to all of you for uh, not only making it here, but top 70. That's a new rule and a new mark for Canadians. And just before we came on, we were joking about the fact that just about every week someone texts me or sends me a tweet saying you know is this a record is this a record for the Canadians and I don't know do you guys get a sense that this is perhaps the greatest year in Canadian men's golf start it down at the end there with Adam what do you think? start with the guy who didn't win this year <laughs> um, I mean it's, if, if it isn't it's got to be close obviously Mike um, and Steven there were doing some great things for a while but I think that the sheer numbers that we have this year and you know obviously these four guys winning and the five of us not only being top 70 but all top 50 right now and and in good position to to go into bmw so um it's just a it's a really fun group to be a part of Corey, what do you think yeah it's it's definitely um you know an amazing time to be canadian golfer out here um you know there's been a slow rise of canadians uh you know through my career and you know starting with nick and uh hadwin here they you know you know inspired younger generation you know like like myself and um a lot of others that you know we dream of playing on the pga tour so it's definitely uh awesome to be out here with all these guys and it's an exciting time to be a, be a canadian we get a lot of love from from people back home and a lot of support so um definitely a great group to be a part of nick does it go beyond just the canadian contingent though do you have people from other countries noticing that the canadians are doing well I think so. I think we've we've tried to follow probably Australia, some some other smaller countries that have had a lot of success. Um, but yeah, it's it's great to see the numbers we have out here. We said we've we've had a lot of guys win this year on tour, but I feel like we've been in contention so many times. Um, you know, late on Sunday, there's a lot of people up in Canada paying attention to, to golf, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, I, I think you know probably the golf world's taking notice of what we're doing in Canada. Golf Canada's done a great job, so I think uh, the future is very bright. Mac, what about you? Do you? When you're in the locker room, do any of the Americans come up and say, boy, you guys are doing really well, or what's going on up there? Yeah, I think uh, there's a little bit of that. Um, I mean, obviously, you get a little bit overshadowed by, I mean, the Americans on tour, uh, I'd say, kind of dominate, and there's just sheer numbers-wise, they're going to be uh, winning more than we are, but uh, I know that we're second behind them as far as number of wins this year, and it's, uh, it's pretty neat, I think players uh media and whatnot take notice fans um and because we have the numbers on our side i think it's if it's not nick one week it's adam and if it's not adam it's Corey and taylor pendrith and all these guys playing well so um it's been pretty fun adam 
do you feed off these guys? I mean, you're the youngest guy in here, but do you, do you feed off them when you came in here? Do you see what they're doing and say, yeah, that's where I want to be too? Yeah, for sure. You know, growing up playing on Team Canada with these guys, I looked up to them and, you know, wanted to play on the PGA Tour with them. And, um, yeah, anytime these guys play play good, I'm, I'm watching. And how, how regularly do you guys check each other's scores? Like when you go leaving the room, do you always, do you have them all favorited or something? Do you know how, every, you want to know how everyone's doing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like if I go down my PJ Tour app, I got them all favorite at the top, and you know, it's they're in order of favoritism. But uh, <laughs> no, I got them all up there, and like like I said, if I'm not playing, like those are the first guys, the first scores I check are those Canadian guys, and and see where they're at. And it's been a lot of fun because usually I don't have to scroll very far to to see them on the leaderboard. Now, Nick, Nick, of course, uh, had the big highlight with the big dramatic eagle finish in the Canadian Open. I mean, I, remarkable. What happened again? Do you remind me? I, <laughs> I don't know. What, what, were you, what were you doing? You were in a car cleaning something. I was in a car cleaning up puke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Another story. But, uh, but uh, the next week when I was at the U.S. Open, it was amazing to see, like, you couldn't walk 10 feet without someone coming up and congratulating you. But I sensed that the other guys, you guys were sort of, people would come up to you and say, wow, wasn't that great? Like, as if almost, not as if you won, but as if it was such a meaningful event for Canadian golf, Corey. Yeah, such an incredible moment. And, you know, being a Canadian and being a close friend, it was, was really special. And um, definitely, uh, you know, got asked, you know, to, to comment or talk about it and, you know, how amazing it was, you know, as much as anything else that I've accomplished personally. So, you know, it was cool, you know, to, to be, be there, watch it happen. And, you know, couldn't be happier for Nick. And, you know, it just goes to show the, the great things that the Canadians are, are doing in the golf world. That's, pretty special moment something that definitely I know Nick will remember for the rest of his life but I will as well and I think a lot of Canadian golf fans it's going to be an iconic moment um, for you know many years to come in Canadian golf. Adam we're not going to go there but uh, what you know about. I do I do I will always remember where I was during that moment no but but but, but aside from that part of being tackled do you get a lot of, of talk about that over the next couple of weeks that happen? Oh yeah absolutely um yeah, it was incredible. Um, obviously, on a, a very personal level for Nick, but I think for golf in Canada as well, we had done incredible things throughout the year already, but that just sort of icing on the cake, cherry on top moment. And um, one of those moments that will go down in you know Canadian sport history, really, um, will be replayed every year on top tens and, and, and greatest moments and, and stuff. So um, I was really happy that I got to you know, outside of what <laughs> the afterwards, but You're just right to be there, there and, and, <laughs> and, right and in, there. in that atmosphere, it was, it was incredible. Uh, we got the FedEx Cup here this week, and the first stage, uh, five of you, which we were talking off the top, this is the most we've ever had. Um, how important is it for you guys to make it through this week, Adam? Yeah, I think it's, you know, very important for all of us, um, you know, builds confidence and, um, yeah, the, the money's good. So you want to move on. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Mac, I mean, it is, is, is getting into the 50, the, that's the big goal, really? I mean, ways? honestly, the, the big goal is really the 30. Uh, 50 is, is nice, but I'd say we're all probably trying to shoot a little harder than that. Um, and you know that with one really nice week, you're pretty much right there. Um, you know, I probably had the most work to do of anybody, which, uh, you know, I'm looking to relish and take on. And, um, yeah, I need to play well, but... Um, you know, I've had my back against the wall a few times in these playoffs and have done well, so hopefully I can uh, rise to the occasion. Nick, you're the highest. You're at, at 12. Uh, do you do you feel comfortable at, in any way, shape, or form? I don't know if you ever feel comfortable. 
yes. <laughs> it's the best spot I've, I've been in, obviously, ever. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think you're, you're trying to position yourself as well as you can, like anybody is. Um, there's a lot of volatility with, with four times the points. But, um, yeah, just try to position myself as well as I can. There's uh, the new staggered system and at the Tour Championship. is uh, You obviously want to be leading, if not very close. Corn and I were chatting a little bit, you know, if you start eight behind at that golf course, it's it's not very easy to make that up. So, yeah, I, I love this golf course. Next week, we played there a few years ago. Um, there's a lot of great golf courses in the next three weeks, so I'm excited for that. Corey, you were a big hockey player growing up. Does this feel like the playoffs in hockey where you really have to sort of play your way through the regular season and then you got to turn it up in the playoffs? Yeah, the playoffs are, you know, are big. This, uh, this is no different. You know, growing up, I was always excited, looking forward to, you know, first of all, making the playoffs and then doing well in the playoffs, trying to, you know, win series, win games. And, you know, we're all you know, trying to have a great week here, you know, get us to, to the next round. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, like Max said, get, uh, get all five of us into the Tour Championship. And, you know, the, the big goal at the end of this is the FedEx Cup. And, um, you know, going to have to play some amazing golf to, uh, you know, have a chance to win that. But it's, uh, you know, it's out there for the taking. And, Hopefully, uh, you know, if not myself, one of, one of these guys will make a good run at it. It's nice to see you guys all with your playoff beards, by the way. I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, okay, just to, just, to, just to wrap up, there's, there's two big events next season. One is, of course, in Montreal. We have the President's Cup. I'll start with you, Adam. You've played in the President's Cup, obviously, before. What does it mean for you? What would it mean for you to go to Montreal, play a home game, playing for Mike Weir in front of all those crowds? I mean, I get chills thinking about that right now. Um, the two that I played in were, were some of the greatest um, golfing events that I have ever played in. Um, we got smashed in New York and I had some of the best times um, playing with those guys and then we had a chance to win down in Australia and just the atmosphere that, that you have in an event like that. Um, it's unmatched playing individually and so um, to represent your country in that is an honor but to do it on home soil I think would just uh, would be indescribable really. Corey, you've been there. You were there last time. What uh, What do you think? Yeah, unbelievable experience, and you know it's hard to describe the feeling of, of playing in an event with that magnitude, and you know that'll you know be even greater uh, playing in Canada. It'd be you know more than a dream come true to, to play a Presidents Cup in, in Canada and play for Mike Weir as the captain. Um, you know, he's been so amazing for Canadian golf, and you know inspired all of us, and uh, means a lot to, to us and. Um, be just yeah, really, really incredible and definitely a huge goal. Nick, what would you think about five Canadians on the President's Cup team? I mean, there were four South Koreans last year, last yeah. time out. Why not, right? More the better. Yeah, six. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I, I, you think it's possible? You know, if if we take our our the way our games have been this year into next year, you know, hopefully we leave Mike no choice. Either we qualify, you know, through the top six or eight, wherever it is, or he's got to pick us. I feel like, you know. If, if we have a lot of Canadians in the team playing on home soil with, with Mike Weir as the captain, I think just the mojo we would have um, would be incredible. So that's a huge goal, I know, for all of us um, and hope to be there. All right, Mac, the other uh, big event, of course, is going to be in Paris, yeah. the Olympics. You've been there. Um, what is it going to mean for the two, two people? could be not in this group, but it could be in this group likely. What is it going to mean for those two to go to the Olympic Games? Yeah, that was uh, yeah one of the highlights of my life, and uh, I hope 
to have that you know, experience again. Um, but if not, uh, you know, for these guys uh, to experience it would be amazing. Um, yeah, it's unlike anything else I, I've ever been a part of. And um, unfortunately, when we were there in 21, it was a bit restricted as far as like what we could do. So I felt like I didn't get the full experience. So I would love to have that experience uh, again. And, um, you know, kind of like the President's Cup stuff. I mean, you, it's all on your mind. You know, it comes up, you know, here and there. You see posts about it or stuff on social media. And, yeah, it's it's there. It's it's a, it's a real thing. And But then you come back to what you have to do every day just to get there. It's just like the, the little small stuff. And you're just trying to get better every day. And uh, hopefully at the end of the day, you know, you make those teams. But, um, yeah, I like I like the chances of these guys right here to uh, to be on that team as well. Adam, you got those on your goals list? President's Cup, Olympics? Yeah, it'd be a nice thing to check off the bucket list. And um, I'll see be incredible to, to be part of Guys, uh, thank you very much for sitting down with us. Uh, good luck this week at the FedEx Cup, and uh, congratulations on really a sensational year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Welcome back inside our Labor Day Best of Edition of Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully. Well, 20 weeks of TaylorMade has come and gone for yet another summer. We'll announce our very special grand prize winner very shortly on social media. Before we sign off today, TaylorMade's newest wedge is the MG4. For much more on the MG4, I chatted with TaylorMade's Bill Price. To talk all things MG4, now joining us, the mastermind behind the new wedge, Bill Price from TaylorMade. Bill, how excited are you about this new wedge? Uh, we're excited about it. You know, the last two launches that we've had, MG3 and now MG4, uh, has really put us on a different level with all the competition. So we're excited about this launch. It's been the fastest, easiest way for us to get the wedge into the tour players. But, you know, a lot of what we've learned now over the last four uh, versions that we've had you know, the first two basically got us um, in the game, but the last two now is a serious competitor. So we're excited about that. I'm sure. Okay. So a lot of the excitement means there's some new technology in this new wedge. Tell us about some of the new tech behind this product. Well, you know, a lot of it has to do with spin, right? So what we were, we've always been a big fan of, you know, the spin and the spin threads that we have. Uh, the treads that we have today are on the landing area. So what we've learned is we have new laser etching that goes on the lander. It's a deep laser etching. So what that does is it provides another groove or a secondary groove on the land area between the grooves. So that just pushes water when you have water on the face, it pushes water into the bigger groove, much like a tire tread. So you have small grooves and you have bigger grooves. So all the water gets dispersed uh, from the small grooves into the bigger grooves. So it keeps um, the land area uh, a lot less uh, slipping that's uh, that's happening. And so, again, 
it's all about spin. So we're excited about the spin numbers that we're seeing. And I'm guessing too, the goal here is to regulate the spin numbers for any level of golfer and any uh, condition you're playing in, whether rainy, dry, the works, correct? Yes, and that's the big unknown. And, and what players and tour players really uh, do not like is any difference. You know, they, they hate to see a difference in spin or launch angle. You know, for, for a lot of golfers, I'm, they're not as close to that as especially a tour player. But when you look at the launch monitor and you see the numbers in wet and dry, I mean, it's amazing that that launch condition can be as much as eight degrees increased on launch. And your spin numbers can get 50% decreased um, on, on the spin numbers. So it's not a number that you want to go into a tour event and be having those type of, you know, uh, things that can happen on your wedge. So the tour players are excited about the MG4. You know, a lot of the shaping, we've had a gentleman that's been working on our MG3 and MG4 that I'm excited with, a guy named Greg Cesario. He does all our shaping for us. And um, I'm excited to have been for the last couple of versions working with him because he has now take, taken our last two versions and really shaped this according to what the players like. And so not only have we got the right shape, and little changes in working with all the tour players, but also, you know, the big tech story and spin. And then, of course, um, you know, the excitement of MG4 with all the players out there. Something I want to ask you, too, about is the increased flange thickness. Uh, for those who don't know what this means, tell us about it. Well, what, what that did is we just also worked with all the tour players from MG3 to MG4. We created a better sound and sound oh. always feel. So by having that uh, uh, increase in the flange thickness behind the face where, where the ball's being contacted, uh, created better sound. And, you know, better sound has a lot to do with feel. So they go together. So we're really excited about the sound and feel that we're getting with MG4. Um, so that was just a little thing that we talked about. We also talked about, you know, the shaping. Uh, with Greg Cesario being able to shape these to what the players have been all been asking about the top line, uh, the, the the leading edge. So just little things when you look at it now and our home pro staff guys around the country that are starting to look at them, they're like, wow, this is the best wedge we've ever had. So we're excited about the not only what it looks, the technology behind it, but also the um, sales numbers that we're starting to see. There you go. There's so much great technology behind this new tailor-made MG4 wedge. Now, before we sign off, Bill, this is a very special time as you're entering retirement. So I just want to say from all of us here at Golf Talk Canada, congratulations on all the success you've had. Uh, we've really enjoyed interviewing you over all these years and good luck in your next venture. Thank you so much. And I appreciate it from all my friends up in Canada. Bill is such an awesome guy. Congrats again to Bill on retirement. Well, that is it for today's best of edition of the show. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We are back live next Monday. Full breakdown of the European Ryder Cup side and all of the latest in the world of golf. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. 
For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.